Hello and welcome to Think Business Futures. I'm your host, Max Tillman. We're here every week with a panel of guests from the world of business and beyond to take a look at the numbers that make up the news. This week, our panel comes to you virtually, but no matter where you are, we'll still be broadcast right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and straight into your own device wherever you are in the world via podcast. It was Mark Twain who advised, buy land, they're not making it anymore. And here in Australia, as we settle down to life in the midst of COVID-19, the numbers show that Australian property values continue to rise. With widespread concerns about job security and the rapid sell-off of the share market, it's an interesting time to talk about real estate. In the rental market, the Prime Minister announced on the 29th of March that the states and territories have agreed to a six-month moratorium on at least some evictions, but the situation is still very much a regulatory and legislative touch-and-go for renters and their landlords. Joining the discussion is our panel. Professor Harold Schul is a professor of finance at the University of Technology, Sydney, with an expertise in house prices in distress. Professor Heather MacDonald is the Deputy Dean of the Faculty of Design, Architecture and Building at the University of Technology, Sydney. And Leroy McGee is Principal of Leroy McGee Real Estate in Westmead. Thanks all for joining us. Professor Schul, property analytics firm CoreLogic's Home Value Index for March of this year showed that national housing values have actually continued to rise, if only by 0.7% over the last month. So it's clearly showing that there's at least some strength on paper in the Australian property sector. Has the COVID panic that's stricken practically every other industry in Australia hit property yet? And what's been the biggest takeaway so far? Well, um, the impact was um, dramatic. Um, If you are following the um, real estate market a little bit, you would notice that there's hardly any auctions done anymore. The sales shifted uh, completely from the auction process to the private sales. A lot of properties are withdrawn from that process. And uh, there's more to come because the decision to buy properties is a long-term decision. People make that many months ahead of actually buying a property. And so the impact of uh, COVID will have a uh, will come in more and more, but with a lag in time. Now, obviously, the stock market and property would be two of the most significant factors in your average person's investment portfolio. But obviously, with the losses that we've been seeing on the stock market over the past few weeks and months, how linked are the stock markets to the housing market? And does a loss in one sector really beget a loss in the other? There are different evidences in the market. So, um, First, as you said, are there different markets? Uh, there's a property market, there's a share market, there are other markets as well. And investors make decisions uh, where to invest. And so if we see declines in the share market, it could actually mean that they are going from one market into another. And so housing could be perhaps seen as a safe harbor market. Uh, that said, uh, markets also move in tandem. And um, there's also this uh, what we call contagion or spillover effects that may go from the share markets into property. So we are yet to see how the property markets are impacted through the uh, movements in other markets. Now, indeed, to most people, purchasing property is a process that can take months, if not years. Now, you've already acknowledged that this cycle has been somewhat disrupted by COVID-19. But what are some of the impacts of a disruption to this usual purchasing cycle? For, for the residential markets, um, they're mainly driven by income 
people uh, lend with the banks um, to purchase property. And the banks make their decision on whether to lend and how much to lend uh, on the income of individuals. And one of the many impacts COVID will have, it will reduce the income of the uh, of Australians, perhaps only in the short run, but perhaps also in the longer term. And with that, the ability to um, borrow from banks and also purchase houses of individuals may deteriorate. Well, for all the sellers who lose in a down market, there is obviously always an inverse winner. Now, Leroy, you've got some real skin in the game here as a real estate agent with boots on the ground experience. So who's capitalising on COVID-19 at the moment in the property market? At this stage, I'd probably say in any downturn in the last time when we had the GFC, um, there were still buyers still buying. And generally, I find it's more your astute investors that see this as an opportunity. And that's, that, that's when they get into the market because for the astute investors and the good investors, they've got enough financials to back up their, their purchases. Like even right now, um, last week I had a sale for a house in Kellyville. And right now I'm just negotiating a sale of another house in Westmead. So there are still buyers out there buying. And uh, like I said, the ones that are cashed up and that have money in the game are still out there and, and snapping up the bargains because they know that the market will come back. So there are many prospective buyers out there who are seeing the way that the economic winds around the world are changing and deciding that it's time to strike while the iron's hot, so to speak. Is, is that something you'd agree with? Pretty much, yeah, that's correct. Now, with your years of experience in the real estate sector, would you say that the particular situation we've got on our hands now with COVID-19 and obviously that sort of small boost in demand for property where people are thinking it's a great time to swoop in and get a deal for themselves, is that unique to the current situation or indeed do you see this occur every time that there's somewhat of an economic downturn? Uh, this current situation is definitely unique to anything else I've experienced in my more than 15-year career. Yes, we've had our normal traditional ups and downs. And generally, in my experience, what I've found is when the financial sectors are not doing well, that's when the, the investors pull out their money from your traditional share markets and then start pumping into property as they see property as being more secure and stable. So I honestly feel that with this current COVID situation, the longer it drags on, it's actually going to benefit property. And I feel that the, the property sector, once the score stuff settles, I reckon that the property sector is going to kick back in. At least that's my opinion. Professor McDonald, we'll just pop over to rental markets for a second here. And they've been somewhat relieved by the federal government's announcement of a six-month moratorium on some, but of course not all, evictions across the country. However, that relief is yet to arrive in any sort of clear, concrete form are these new regulations creating a market that's going to favour the tenant, particularly given that so many renters are out of work or losing an enormous portion of their earning capacity? I think the, the regulations that need to come are will fail if they focus only on favouring the tenant. I think, um, you know, looking carefully at all the people, all of the sectors that have an interest in the rental market, it's really going to be more a case of, of sharing the, the trauma around, sharing the costs. Um, landlords clearly can't absorb everything. Banks can't absorb everything. Tenants can't absorb everything. There are other actors in the market as well, property agents um, that need, and 
any solution that's going to be effective needs to involve some give, but, you know, as in some contribution from all of those parties. And I think it's not so much looking at regulation as looking at what sorts of offsetting incentives would it be possible to provide in the form of, you know, perhaps land tax relief, tax relief for banks who participate in uh, providing rent relief. So it's a, it's a much more complex set of issues. Now, in the Prime Minister's announcement on the rent relief program or future rent relief program, he encouraged, and I quote here, tenants, landlords and financial institutions to sit down together and essentially hammer out a plan over the next six months on how to pay rent. Now, to most people, that dynamic that exists between tenant and landlord is already skewed. What are some of the potential pitfalls of this? Well, I I think it's completely unrealistic to expect this to be done on a case-by-case basis. We're talking about a large volume problem here. And I think this is an instance where state governments really need to take some leadership and initiative. Um, There might, you know, there's obviously, there's going to be variation in just how much rent relief an individual tenant would need. But does the larger framework have to be negotiated around the amount of rent relief needed by an individual. They, they, you know, it makes much more sense to have a broader framework and then some individual flexibility. And I think that's that's why it's also, you know, it's good that tenants um, participate somewhat. It's not a good idea to just defer all rent and leave that the burden of that debt, which would always essentially just defer eviction for, for six months. Um, but instead for tenants to, to make, you know, some reasonable contribution without expecting that they're going to bear the entire brunt of the economic downturn. Now, this rent relief program, when it is eventually rolled out across the country, is a clear sign that the government is willing to allow renters to essentially tread water until we return to some level of normality. Would you agree with that assessment, Professor MacDonald? Well, we don't really have a rent relief package at the moment in New South Wales. I mean, that's still that's still something that, that there are a large number of tenants out there that aren't, you know, where there is no rent relief at this point. Now, we'll jump back to the rental market in a few moments, but I can imagine that there are many prospective buyers out there, and as you've even mentioned this yourself, Leroy, who are looking at the current situation, and many will see this market as an opportunity to finally purchase, and possibly for a price much lower than they may have expected. Um, Professor Scholl and Leroy, is there some legitimacy to this strategy? Generally, it does, but like I said, uh, it, the buyers in the market like this are few and far between, mainly because the, the current scenario where there's a lot of job um, uncertainty, um, people are scared to make the big financial commitments. So in a current market, you'll find that this, uh, there's just a few handful of buyers that are out there that are don't have that uh, uh, job insecurity and are cashed up and they're looking at this current market as a huge opportunity to get in and buy, pick up some, you know, really good investments and make uh, a a fair size profit over the next couple of years. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, there is um, certainly, there's always uh, buyers and and sellers, but but we 
the question is only about the proportions and um, what impact it will have on the house prices. Um, I'm a bit more pessimistic on that, but um, uh, you know, um, it's up to everyone what they want to do with their money, and if they think it's a good time to buy, then so be it. Uh, and to be honest, um, often, I mean, in Australia, for many, many years, we have called to an end of the, you know, we call it the bubble or the increase of house prices, and it hasn't happened so far. Although I would argue at this time, uh, chances are much higher that it will happen. Now, following the Prime Minister's announcement last week, we now know that public open for inspections and auctions are out of the picture for the foreseeable future. Now, that makes the buyer's search, filtering and negotiating processes very tricky, I can imagine. Now, without the ability to tangibly see the house and, you know, see if you fit in the bath, so to speak, how will the way that we sound out and purchase property change over the next few months? Uh, I'll go first because I'm on the ground and um, uh, the workaround that uh, I've been doing mainly in relation to inspections is without p- being able to do auctions and open houses is we're still doing the private the private inspections. Now, for an example, when I did um, the open house for a rental property in Kellyville, I had eight groups that came through, but I kind of uh, spaced out the inspections starting from 11 o'clock and it went on till 12.30. So I had 15-minute slots for each, uh, each prospective tenant. So there's more than one way to skin a cat and more than one way to purchase a property. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. So both in terms of rentals and sales, you can still get the results. Yes, it requires a lot more effort on the ground from our side, but we are still able to get the results. And Professor Shul, what are your judgments on that? Yeah, so um, the uh, this, this is definitely one, 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 one of the things that we are seeing and is going on. There is, I just want to highlight maybe one other aspect, um, also in the long run, uh, maybe another nuance. Um, so house prices, I think the movement, we should also distinguish between maybe short term and long term. And, you know, in the short term, you see that the markets are still active, as um, Leroy described. But at the same time, you know, there are some obstacles, be it um, inspecting the houses or accessing uh, mortgage loans. Um, there's also the uh, limited liquidity in the market, you know, just by sellers withdrawing the properties or the additional amount it takes to to sell a property. And maybe Leroy could comment on that. Um, it's probably taking much longer now to sell a house than only a month ago. The days on the market, I think it's, it's a variable that's always quoted. Now, I agree with Dr. Shul that a lot of properties are being withdrawn from the market because uh, sellers who are not in an absolute need to sell are deciding to hold off, knowing that the market's kind of heading south. So there's a lot of um, movement in that segment of the market from a selling perspective where people are holding out because Dr. Shul mentioned earlier about auction clearances to have dropped at 39%. Uh, I looked at the stats of for last Saturday's auction clearance rates and it was only at 39%. So in my opinion, uh, as an agent, it, it will be stupid of us to go to market with an auction kind of campaign in the current scenario. And, and, and then there's also a long-term effect. And I think this is where I'm a bit more positive on asset values or house price values, it is the, you know, um, for the foreseeable future, we will have a low interest rate environment in Australia. Perhaps we even move to negative. That's where I feel that, uh, yeah, no, that's why I feel, Dr. Shul, the low interest rates is a, will be a pivotal factor in ensuring that property remains stable and potential it may grow post-COVID. Exactly. And plus, plus all the other benefits. And, uh, you know, Heather mentioned uh, there could be a relief in the land tax. 
which is um, other people also argue brings additional distortions to the housing markets. But also there could be a lot of other governmental benefits that support and are in support of the housing markets going forward. So why do we all believe that the moratorium on on evictions has taken front and centre stage of the government's response to the crisis? And as you've just mentioned, Professor, there are many more ways that the federal government could attempt to soothe the rental crisis and at large the property market. So why should evictions become the cornerstone of this response? The, um, the nature of the, of the current health crisis, um, to the extent that we have people who are evicted moving in with family or friends um, or, in the worst case, becoming homeless, that has some devastating impacts on public health, quite apart from the sort of um, you know, humanitarian concerns that we might have about evicting people through, you know, because of a, a catastrophe that they had absolutely no control over and no, made no contribution to. So in relation to the government's call for a halt on evictions, I agree with their approach because in a situation like this where Professor McDonald said that uh, I've had experiences on the ground where I've, you experience both sides of humanity where on one side you have some owners that really don't care and they just want the rent money to come in. And on the other side you have owners who are more than happy to accommodate the, the, the tenants based on whatever their financial um, problems are and accommodate them where we've had negotiations with owners in relation to dropping rent by 50% till this is all sorted sorted out. We come up with a payment plan as to what we're going to happen to catch up on the rent till, you know, this is all settled. Well, the move to online is obviously one of the biggest themes surrounding the entire COVID-19 crisis at the moment. And flatmates.com has actually seen a bump up in activity over the last two weeks, according to their data. It's very clear that this is going to become the new norm for acquiring a tenancy, at least over the next few months. So, Dr. McDonald, what are your thoughts on demand for rental properties at the moment? There are mixed messages. And what are some of those key demographics that are going to be most affected by this? Well, I think the demand for rental properties is down significantly by all indicators. You know, a lot of that is the effect of people losing income and moving back home. Um, quite a lot is also shorter-term international workers who have left Sydney and probably won't be back for quite some time. And then in some parts of Sydney, I believe there's also a lot of Airbnb properties that are now, you know, on the sort of medium-term rental market rather than being short-term rentals anymore. So. The, the overall picture, I mean, the rental uh, housing demand in Sydney was, quite, you know, it had fallen a bit over 2019. So this is coming on top of the top market. And I think you, you're really seeing a recalibration in rental demand that is going to um, affect the market for quite a while. And one of the questions, I think, around rental use is also what is what is the new market stand you know what is the new market level for rent? And Professor Shul, what are your judgments on that? From a from a finance perspective, um, I think the approach of the government is consistent and hence perhaps equitable, in the sense that they have called on a moratorium for both the uh, landlords if they have mortgages that the banks do not insist on repayments. 
Um, and also they do the same with the eviction moratorium. So with that, they are saying, oh, let's put the payments on hold. Um, a moratorium on eviction is not as such, but um, the tenants can stop payment and pretty much stay in the house without being evicted. But um, at the same time, um, there's no forgiveness of the payments and they accrue. And one that day they have to be made. So with that, it looks uh, very equitable, but there are a lot of um, structural issues with that approach. Um, first and foremost, um, uh, tenants, uh, sorry, landlords have um, landlord insurance contracts that effectively um, become only enforceable if um, they do not, you know, do this negotiation as the government has uh, suggested and or uh, evict the um, tenants thereafter. So that is um, after the six months that are currently proposed. There are also capital market problems in place that sort of um, uh, cause barriers to that uh, negotiation beyond the moratorium. So currently the government has implemented, I guess, something that's equitable, but it doesn't go maybe as far as other people have um, thought it would. The Tenants' Union of New South Wales is concerned that our legal and income support frameworks are simply not sufficient to protect people from being seriously impacted by this economic and health crisis. And it's just as well, strange new times in the rental market. The laws surrounding tenants have suddenly just been thrust into the spotlight with such an enormous portion of renters either losing work entirely or seeing large reductions to their earnings, as we've previously mentioned. Now, here in New South Wales... How equitable are the laws surrounding the relationship between landlord and tenant? Back to the question that you asked a little while ago. Um, I mean, I think New South Wales has quite lenient eviction or there are wide, you know, there's, there's relatively little protection that renters have against eviction. And I think that's coming into focus in hard times like this. Whether there'll be the the long-term political will um, to f- to fix what many perceive as a, as a problem in legal rights and tenants is unclear. This this might be a moment where you can have significant sh- um, change, you know, legislative change that would con- would continue on beyond the crisis moment, that. Um, there are a lot. There are an awful lot of investors in New South Wales who would not share that assessment. No, I think it's um, you need to have a, a systematic approach where you treat people equitable. But the problem is, um, as Heather described, there's a lot of um, individual issues. People living by themselves, people sharing. Um, there's, there's every everyone is an individual, individual circumstances, and also behind all of that are financial markets that are themselves very complex. And um, it's not possible to craft legislation within a week or two that accommodates all sorts of um, circumstances. So um, perhaps this is a preliminary measure and the government may, may then refine it over time. But I'm not convinced there'll really be the political appetite to take this on in the long run. I think this is a short term, you know, during this crisis response. I'm not sure that the broader question about... Um, fair grounds for eviction is going to be back on the political agenda once this crisis is passed. But, you know, personally, I would hope it would be, but I'm not sure that's the case. So, Professor MacDonald and Professor Schull, you've both mentioned that there are indeed safety nets 
that are now active to catch those who may be concerned that they have to sell their home in order to stay afloat and stay liquid. Now, this question's open for all members of the panel. Has the government's response to COVID-19's economic downturns created a strange environment for property where it's almost as though, despite the rest of the world falling to bits, it could potentially be a great time to get a deal? Would you agree with that assessment? I would probably say that the government has handled the situation amicably given the current circumstances where, from a property perspective, uh, I'm finding that with the rental side of things, um, we have got affected in terms of finding tenants for vacant properties. Because currently I've got 15 properties uh, that are currently vacant, which I've never had from the time I've started my business. And in the last two weeks, I've had only two inspections. Now, to me, that shows that the current social distancing legislation they have in place is not very clear because they do say that people can move uh, when they're moving home, but there's no clarity in terms of inspections. So people are avoiding inspections altogether. And that's creating its own own domino uh, effect in terms of having vacant properties uh, indefinitely. Yeah, so um, in terms of the, you know, the activities people undertake at the moment, I think, uh, yeah, there's certainly under, uh, it's not clear what you can do and what you cannot do. Um, Maybe for more from a a financial perspective, I think uh, the, the, we may, as you suggested, see that people are wanting to sell the house to, to use that as a compensation for lost income. Not sure whether we will get that far, um, but I think there's a big um, impact of that, obviously on on people's um, wealth and and uh, and also um, eventually um, the for different mechanisms the uh, the housing markets may find their way back to our pension funds, you know, be it for personal uh, for super fund investments in the real estate investment trust space or. Uh, for people who uh, hold their own super funds and have invested uh, in houses. And I think we're now seeing a period where if you possibly can avoid liquidating your assets, it would be a good idea to. Because although, you know, as Leroy mentioned, there are buyers back in the market, they're very, as you pointed out, they're very savvy buyers who are looking for a fire sale. So for people whose main asset is bound up in their home, um, this is a point at which property is probably a really illiquid asset to hold. We've already touched upon some of the major factors surrounding the rental and property market over the last half hour, but I believe a question a lot of people want answered is will the housing bubble burst in Australia and what will the property market and realty in general look like in this post-COVID future? Over the last 20 years, I would say property has been the most stable investment that you could have in terms of uh, being bricks and mortar. Yes, you're going to have your cyclic ups and downs, but over, I always look at it as over a decade year period, you'll always come out on top. So even with this current market, uh, yes, we are experiencing something that the world has never seen, but I still believe that when we come out of all of this, property is going to be stable. Well, I'll jump in. I, I think a lot of it has, has to do with how fast rental demand springs back because so much um, of our property assets are actually bound up in investment properties. 
for you know for many households that's the case and um what happens to rental demand is going to be absolutely crucial in determining what the answer to that question is how how long will it be before we're we're globally integrated again or will we be globally integrated in the same way that we have been my forecast will be a little bit dark for the next two years um, i think house prices will come down in parts the income and unemployment effects will um, come in more and more over the next two years perhaps but then uh, in the medium to long term i'm as positive as all australians that um, the house prices will recover and uh, grow well there you go maybe mark twain was right all along property isn't going anywhere Thanks for joining us for another week of Think Business Futures. Our guests have been Professor Harold Schul, Professor Heather MacDonald and Realtor Leroy McGee. Think Business Futures is produced with the assistance of the UTS Business School. Make sure to catch the full show on your favourite podcast app and don't forget to spread the good word of the show. I've been your host, Max Tillman. See you again next week.